Lord, thank you for this time that we've had, and we do commit ourselves to you that uh, we are bringing you more than just our song and our words, but we, uh, we want to bring our whole selves to you. So we commit this time to you, and we declare Jesus the King of our lives, the King of this place, and we thank you for his loving sacrifice uh, that made uh, our lives uh, come to us afresh and uh, be brand new. So we thank you for this time. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is uh, Josh. Uh, So I, uh, for any visitors um, or people who otherwise don't know me, um, I did two years of internship here, and then last year I was on staff uh, working in community engagement. And then this year I just hang around a lot and stick my nose into meetings and in places where it probably otherwise shouldn't be, so... Uh, I call this church home and I um, hope that you've found, uh, as we've worshipped together this morning, it, um, also a welcoming and uh, loving space. I might just do a bit of a recap of where we've come with some um, of our preaching over the past few weeks and then I'll pray and we'll get into this morning. But we've been working so far th- through this year a little bit around equipping the saints. Uh, and by that I mean preparing us as followers of Jesus to be able to share with our friends, those we work with, our family, the good news of Jesus Christ. And it's something that is not easy, and it actually takes a little bit of time. And so Becky preached a few weeks back about being light and salt and what that actually means, being prayerful for those around us that they might come to know Jesus. Simon, if you remember, he had this great demonstration. He preached about the log in our eyes, and he had Jed throw the football into it, and he had the big log in his eye, and Jed nailed it first shot, completely ruining Simon's illustration, but we still got it. It can be hard. It's, it's really hard to share with our friends and our family when we've got big biases, these big logs in our eyes. If we don't put ourselves in the shoes of others, then it can be really uh, hard to be able to communicate, even get on the same um, page as one another. And then last week, Laura preached about understanding our destinies as our God given purpose. And that, that can change in a moment. Doors open, doors close. Um, we don't just wander through life, but God actually has a plan for us. And he places people in our lives, and we are some of those people for others that can speak words of life at really pivotal moments in people's lives. And she talked about Paul and his letter to the Thessalonians. He described his visit with them about planting the church and how they related to each other like family. And so this morning, I'm going to be talking about the power of testimony in um, faith sharing and in our walk as Christians. But before I do, I'll just pray and um, we'll get stuck in. So pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to come and um, explore uh, your word here. I want to acknowledge Becky as well, who's um, going away uh, to India tomorrow. We um, pray that you would um, just accompany her with abundant blessings that you would um, protect her from harm, that she would have a safe flight, and that um, you would really be with her and speak to her on that trip. So we thank you for Becky and all she brings, and we pray that you go with her. And now for us, as we enter this uh, time of teaching, may you bless us as we uh, read together and as we learn together. May you speak to us. May your um, spirit of peace come over us so that we're able to engage fully and put aside the anxieties of this world so we can come fully into your presence. Uh, thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. It's a bit of an intuitive title, I think, isn't it? The power of testimony. I'm I'm sure everyone could put their hand up if you've either given your testimony or heard someone give a testimony in the past. 
it's almost universally part of Christian faith expression. All around the world, people are sharing their story of how they came to know Jesus. And followers of Jesus are listening to one another and engaging with one another's stories. And so this morning, I really want to dig into this idea of our testimony and what that actually looks like. And where the power of that story, we've experienced, I know I have, sometimes when you you go and hear someone speak or you go, like we had the baptisms last Sunday of these young people, and they share a little bit about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, what Jesus means for them. And it's powerful, it grips you, it gets your attention. It's very easy for me sometimes to let my mind wander uh, in a sermon, if sometimes the, the preaching is just going on and on and on, hopefully I doesn't do that today. But it's easy for the mind to wander, but when someone is sharing about what Jesus has done in their lives, when they're sharing about maybe a miracle that they've seen, when they've shared when they were in a time when they were in a really dark place, they were struggling with addiction or they had broken relationships and Jesus has come and his teaching and his spirit has transformed their lives. It's gripping. There's a power to that story that people share. And so we're going to unpack that a little bit um, about what that means. And we'll also explore um, a little bit about what Paul says about testimony when he shares to the church in Corinth uh, in Greece about the testimony of Jesus that was passed to him about his death and his resurrection and the power that that has for our lives. You know, a testimony is different than just an argument. A testimony is not um, just trying to convince someone that God is real or trying to convince someone that the Bible is really good, it's got lots of good teachings. But a testimony is sort of far more subjective than that. It's more about our experience. It doesn't necessarily have to be... A a testimony isn't uh, grounded in um, sort of something real in the sense of like an argument might be very philosophical or scientific, but a, a testimony when it's genuine and authentic, it's about your experience, how you've experienced God. A testimony's power still sort of rises and falls sometimes. If it, someone gives a testimony, it might not necessarily be genuine It might not um, be congruent with other sort of facts that people know. So if I said, oh, you know, Jesus has really come into my heart, he's really transformed my life, but I'm still living a life that is really terrible and there's no evidence of all of um, what I've just shared, then that testimony doesn't have as much power. But either way, a testimony is still presented as is. When you give a testimony, when you hear a testimony, you have to take it as what it is. You can't, it's not as easily dismissed as something like an argument. When someone shares their story, you have to listen, you have to take it in, and you can decide whether or not that's a, a real or a authentic story. But the power that that testimony carries is that it's someone's experience. It's something that they're sharing honestly with you. And that has a real weight to it. It's really powerful. And so I'd encourage you all to reflect on how you might be able to share your testimonies in a really authentic way so that it carries that same power. I might come to someone and begin with an argument about how good God is, about how, um, you know, in the Bible there's all these Old Testament prophecies that have come to pass in Jesus. And that's all well and good, but people can very easily dismiss that and they say, look, I don't believe that. I don't even believe the Bible is the word of God. I don't even believe in God. I don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead. But if I share with someone, look, you know, I was in a really dark place and this is how 
I've found the living presence of Jesus in my life has changed my life. This is how the church has changed my life. Then it's not so easily dismissed. And so there's real power with that. The other aspect of testimony that I'll touch on now is that it's when we share our personal testimony, it's not just, we're not just in our own little bubble doing our things apart from the broader um, church, our other friends, Jesus followers, but we're actually part of a collective story that continues to flourish and continues to reveal God. So there's a passage, uh, 2 Corinthians 4.13. I've got the ESV, I think it's NIV there. It says, Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak. And this is part of our calling as followers of Jesus, as part of the church. I'm not talking about the institutional church of the buildings and that sort of thing, but I'm talking about the church as the, the body of Christ, that actually we believe and so we speak. This is a, a quote from the scriptures. And so this is our command to us that we have believed. And so we don't just take that belief and we keep it to ourselves, but we speak. And when we do speak of our stories, um, it has great power for individuals we're speaking with, but it's like a song, like a symphony that joins together. So I'm not sure if you've ever um, heard a symphony live, but if you go and see um, a symphony an orchestra, and you're in a really good building, it's amazing because you can hear all of the instruments together. It's this amazing chorus. But if the acoustics are really good, then you can actually still pick out individual instruments in the orchestra. And it's actually quite amazing. And that's what it's like when we share our faith stories. Yes, it's our individual story, but it's also the song of the church that continues to reveal God and His goodness. Psalm 145, it says, "'One generation shall commend your works to another.'" and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of your might, of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. And that's what it's like. We are part of a generation, of generations that have gone before and now that will even come after us, that will sing songs of life and light that will carry on that song. And so there's great power in that. There's great power that it's our individual story, but we are individuals as part of a broad church. And God has revealed himself in special ways through Jesus, through the prophets and through scripture, but there's also an ongoing revelation of God in his people, in his church, as good Uh, works are done, as powerful acts are done of building hospitals, building people up, raising up leaders. These amazing works that the church has done, that's part of God's ongoing revelation, and our stories of that keep that song going. And the power of our testimony is not only as an individual to share of Christ's transforming power in our lives, but it's also to share of God's loving sacrifice um, through Jesus. So, I haven't actually used our main verse, and this is where if you've got a Bible uh, on your phone or something, you can get this out, because this is the main text we're going to look at. It's 1 Corinthians 15, just starting from the first verse, and then we'll probably get to about 11. And this is where Paul, I think it's important to say that as powerful as our faith story might be, we might have seen some miracles, we might have um, really climbed some mountains in terms of getting where we are today, It's honestly nothing without another testimony, and that's the testimony of Jesus and what he did for us. 
And so we're going to read 1 Corinthians 15. A little bit of historical context here. Paul's primary aim in this chapter to the Corinthians, chapter 15, is to affirm to the church about the doctrine of the resurrection of the dead. And so Paul is a good Jew, and he believes at the end of the world, all the dead will be raised to life, and there'll be judgment, and then there'll be a new heaven and a new earth formed, um, and those who have been judged to be in God's loving presence will be uh, inhabitants of this new heaven and earth, and those that have separated themselves from God will be separated from Him forever. And the Greeks don't really like this idea of people being raised from the dead. And so they they have questions of, is it even possible for people to be raised from the dead? And I think that seems really fair, but you've got to remember, this is a church that Paul has planted, that it's a movement founded on the resurrection of someone from the dead. And so Paul is writing this chapter to remind them, say, hey, you've already believed that one person has risen from the dead. And so it's really important for him to establish this doctrine of the resurrection of the dead. And so we'll read 1 Corinthians 15, and then I'll share some thoughts to help us understand this. It says, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. And then this is the sort of testimony that he gives. He says, For I received what I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, so that's Peter, um, and then to the Twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the time, most of whom are still living, not anymore though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, this is James, the brother of Jesus, and then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. For I, so Paul is saying not abnormally born in terms of birth, uh, but in terms of his uh, birth, rebirth as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, because of course he was one that was persecuting the church, was literally killing Christians, and then he comes to know Jesus. So that's why he says to one abnormally born. He says, For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. Now I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. I'm going to do a bit of a verse-by-verse I'm trying to understand about what Paul is trying to convey. This sort of section in the middle where he says, for I received what I passed on to you, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Most historians will think that this is the earliest sort of oral tradition saying that the early church would use, and they would actually memorize this section of what Jesus had done for them because it was really important for them to be consistent about what happened when it came to Jesus. And so they would repeat this, that Jesus died according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, that he appeared to... And then there's a list of all the people that he appeared to. And this is what the church, if it wasn't written down, they would use their oral tradition and their memory to share this with one another. So they would get the story straight, so to speak. So starting off, it says 
where it says believed in vain. Verse 2, it says, By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. And this is why I wanted to bring this in in relation to sharing our testimonies, because it's all well and good to share of um, this great power that Jesus has done for us. But if we don't first say that actually my life is part of a broader story where Jesus actually died for the sins of many people and he was raised from the dead so that our beliefs aren't in vain, but actually our story has even more weight and power. And then Paul says, for what I received, I pass on to you as of first importance. For Paul, this is foundational. This is primary. This is first and foremost beyond all of um, the other sort of fluff of Christianity and the other things that might go along with what we believe. For Paul, he's saying, I'm passing on to you what is most important. And then he goes on to recite this memory of what Jesus had done. He then talks about the confirmation of this truth through Old Testament prophecy. He says that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. And in the Old Testament, there's heaps and heaps and heaps of fulfilled prophecy. In Daniel, in the Psalms, in Hosea, there's... If you can just Google search, it's pretty, Google is pretty a safe bet for this. If you can just Google search fulfilled prophecy in the Old Testament, and it will bring up a whole bunch of Old Testament verses that Jesus appears to have filled in his death and resurrection. And so that's one of the things that Paul appeals to. He says that he died, but it was in accordance with the Scriptures. He's fulfilling this prophecy. And then the other part that Paul uses to confirm the truth of what Jesus had done is through the eyewitness testimony, that he has actually appeared to all of these people, and they've actually seen him, and they're alive. And this is what I think is really powerful for us, because then Paul, at the end, continues his reflection as he is a person that's sharing the testimony of Christ's sacrifice. He is now someone that is passing that on. And he says, whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach. And this, for me, as I read this, it's talking directly to us. Paul is saying, whether it's me or you, this is what we preach, that Jesus appeared to all those people, he did these amazing things, and now he's appeared to me. He's come into my life, he's showed me the way to live. And that's what we preach. And it's amazing power when we say not only that Jesus has died, and that he was raised again. But for me personally, Jesus died for my sins, and that he was raised again. And because of that, I am now raised again, and I'm brought to life. That has a lot more power than if we just say that Jesus died, and that he rose again. And it was for you, but you don't really mention it about yourself. That's the power that your testimony has. And I encourage you, if you reflect Um, because it sounds like a really serious thing that, oh, Jesus died for my sins and that he raised me and I'm a new creation. And sometimes, honestly, it can be hard to find the confidence to actually say that to other people because I think about my life and I think, oh, you know, I'm still not where I'm meant to be. I still have all these shortcomings. I still sin. I still have issues that I deal with. And so am I really a new creation? Am I really um, dead in my sins? Have I really experienced this Jesus power in my life? But I'd encourage you to think about where you have been, where you are now, and where you're going, and share that in such a way that is authentic to the Jesus story in your life. That say, hey, I might not be perfect, I might still be struggling with X, Y, and Z, but actually I've come from a story where I used to struggle with you know, A, B, and C, and I no longer struggle with that anymore. 
and I'm actually on a trajectory where my life is, you know, I'm trying to get myself sorted out. I'm trying to have better relationships with my family. I'm trying to pray more regularly. I'm trying to read the scriptures more regularly. And when we do that, the story of Jesus becomes real for us. And if you reflect on that, meditate on that story, it'll give you the confidence to be able to share that testimony to others in a way that you don't feel like you're being a hypocrite, you don't feel like you're being authentic, but it actually carries weight because you've done the reflective work of understanding where you've come and where you're going. I think this is a good point here for me to clarify something because I'm a big fan of apologetics, and apologetics is just the Christian study of using evidence and arguments to establish things like that God exists, that God raised Jesus from the dead. And I'm a big fan of that. I went through a period when I was um, coming to know Jesus where I really struggled with um, things like, hey, I don't even know if God is real. That seems like a pretty big metaphysical claim there. Um, I don't think we should take that pretty lightly. And hey, I don't see uh, people being raised from the dead very often. That's a pretty big thing. Uh, You better hope that there's some good historical grounds for believing that happened. And so because I'm a big fan of this, I don't usually, this uh, accusation doesn't get levered at me too often, but people often have a bit of a resistance against apologetics because they think it's really dry and they think it's really good. And I think it would be good for me now to clarify the role of apologetics when we're sharing our faith because I don't want to be misunderstood when I've sort of talked about these things in the past. You should never start a faith-sharing evangelistic opportunity with an argument that God exists or with an argument that uh, Jesus was raised from the dead. That is just a non-starter. Start with the gospel. Start with the gospel, what Paul does, that pass on to them what was passed on to you, that Jesus lived, he teached, he died, and he was raised again to life. And then if people have problems, they say, look, I don't even believe in God. I didn't even believe Jesus existed. Why should we believe he existed? It's just a bunch of made-up stories. Then when they have those questions, you can come back with some arguments. You can go and do some research. You can bring in a friend who might have um, studied or learned a bit more things than you. And so that's the role of apologetics in evangelism, not to start off with, but to then, if people have questions, don't just leave those questions and just say, look, I've preached you the gospel. If you're not going to believe it, then you're, you're going down. Like, that's, that's just, you're just rejecting the gospel. That's not good enough either. We present with them the good news of what Jesus has done for them. And if they have questions, if they have doubts, then we can come in with maybe some arguments of some evidence and say, hey, actually, we've actually got really good historical grounds to believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Um, the New Testament documents are actually really reliable and they've been um, translated and passed on really reliably. So it's so important, as we've talked about this year, as we're equipping ourselves to be able to share um, our faith, as we're not doing it just with our words, with our actions, as we're removing the logs from our eye, if we're keeping an eye on those in our lives that God has placed us into their lives to be able to guide them and help them, that we remember that our personal faith story, our testimony, it is one of the most powerful tools we have to be able to um, share the good news of what Jesus has done for us. And not only in a one-on-one situation, but God is actually revealing himself each and every day through the combined symphony, the combined song of Jesus' followers, that the church continues to sing its song. And sometimes, as we've seen in the past couple of weeks, that sometimes the song gets really out of tune and sometimes it's like if you're playing a record and, you know, the needle is scratching against the record or it's a really scratched record because sometimes the song isn't always sung in a perfect harmony. 
But nevertheless, it's the job of the church, not just the institutional church, but the body of believers to continue to sing this song in a way that's authentic and real so that God's story is continuing to be revealed and that we're actually part of the scriptures in the sense of we're the people of God and this is what he's doing in the here and now. But as we do that, we have to remember to pass on what we received as of first importance, that Jesus died according to the scriptures and that he was raised again to life and that people actually saw him raised again. And that last of all, he appeared to us. He came into our lives and he showed us the way to live. And that our testimony is now the collision of our story, of our life story, with God's story and with what he's doing in the world. And when we reflect on that and express that, uh, it's going to be very hard for people to just dismiss that because we have done the reflective work and said, actually, this is real for me. And not only for me, but there is a symphony of other believers around the world that it's real for them as well. And so I just encourage you this morning, I'm going to pray now. And as I pray, if you feel maybe that you haven't done a bit of that work or you would like to place the testimony of Jesus' sacrifice as first and foremost in your story, then I encourage you to commit that as we pray together this morning. And if you'd like prayer afterwards, um, we've got a few elders around and Martina's here and I'd love to pray for you if you'd like as well. And we can continue to reflect on what Jesus is doing in our lives and commit our lives to, to Jesus this morning. So let me just pray for us all now. Father God, I thank you um, for this time this morning. Thank you for revealing yourself to us through your word. I thank you for the, the testimonies that have been shared to us, that when we've gone, we've heard people share their story of what God has done in their lives, that that's actually impacted us. And we've thought, wow, that is an amazing story. I wonder if something like that could happen to me. And as we meditate on that this morning, we just pray that your Holy Spirit would fill us and that we might be able to reflect on where we've come and where we are and where we're going in a way that we're able to place Jesus in the center of our story so that our stories and your story would be on a collision course together, joining with you and with the rest of the church to sing your song of love and of grace and of power. And so I thank you for this morning. I pray blessings over each and every person here as we go out into our weeks, into our families, that you would bless us, that you would provide for us, that you would forgive us our sins, that we might be able to forgive those around us. So be with us now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd also just say, if you are visiting this morning, uh, if you're new here, I'd really encourage you to, we've got connect cards uh, either on the wine barrel, there might be some outside. Small groups are a really great way if you're not connected in with a small group. Small groups are where the sharing of stories happen. And so I'd love you to connect in uh, and connect into those stories a bit deeper. But otherwise, until we meet again, may God bless you and be with you in the coming weeks. Amen.